We are two mothers who loves exploring the depth of life in all its shapes. Here we want to create a space to look at the transition into motherhood, what it might look like in different traditions and cultures, conscious parenting, the sacredness of birth, and the postpartum universe. By sharing stories, inviting guests, and together reconnect to the wisdom of our womb and Mother Earth through different practices. Welcome everybody to the Depth of Motherhood podcast. I'm your co-host, Danielle. This week, Angelica and I welcome Adelaide Meadow onto the show. Adelaide is the founder of Small Magic Birth. She is a traditional midwife, functional medicine practitioner and educator, serving women and their families outside of the medical model. With her intuitive and evolving knowledge of the body, she brings an insightful and playful approach to pregnancy, birth and women's health. Adelaide's practices are based not only on formal study, but also on her personal experience. Following an accident that resulted in severe head and pelvic trauma, she surpassed all medical recovery predictions through self-study and functional movement and women's-based medicine. Outside of her birth and well woman care practice, she is an active organizer in promoting women's culture and feminist engagement. It was such a pleasure to welcome Adelaide onto the show and following this conversation, it really made me think a lot about my presence in my community and it really inspired me to see how I can be here to support the women in the area that I'm living right now. Recently, I've just moved to a different location in, in Costa Rica, as I mentioned in the last episode. And it just feels like I am home and I've met some incredible women here. And I decided to start a women's circle myself. And this will be the first one that I've run since um, becoming pregnant. So it's been over two years and I'm truly excited. I've been holding many ceremonies online, but there is something said for that physical contact, that holding that physical space together and also nurturing a community. So I just want to thank this conversation for really inspiring me to get back out there. (laughs) So in this episode, we talk about the interconnectedness of the body and mind and how our past can wake up at any moment to let us know it needs some love. Every experience that we've ever had lives within us And if we distract from the body's messages, the wisdom that it's offering us, the whispers that begin to communicate with you can turn into screams. Now, in a world telling us that we need to spring back after birth, or even we have to do so many things during our pregnancy, the deeper healing can get missed and it can get swept under the rug and then them aspects of ourselves that really need nurturing can reemerge later down the line completely distorted so what can we do adelaide discusses very beautifully how we can communicate with the body to offer a safe space for healing and growth and uh, it feels 
so common to hear right now about women who feel so disconnected from their body that they miss the voice of their body. They miss the whispers. They miss what they're really in need of. And it made me think about all the experiences I've had where my boundaries have been pushed, where I put my body in a position that it wasn't calling for or that it didn't deserve. And we go into this as we talk about sexual experiences that we might have had in our life. And it made me think about mine, my past sexual experiences where I've been present, but not really been present, where I've been involved, but I haven't been actively receiving or giving. I haven't been fully present. And then there's that switching off of the body and the mind to go through the motions. And and then, you know, it made me go deeper into my experiences of having pain around my hips, UTIs, yeast infections. And Adelaide goes on to share about how we can avoid and heal these occurrences through simple practices which will promote efficient circulation of blood flow and energy to the pelvic area. And this for me was really enlightening and it really did connect some things for me as I regressed with my memories of my past experiences and then seeing the pattern, the things that emerged from that. And actually it was only this conversation where I put two and two together. So it's funny, as much as we can study as much as we can reflect, just having someone there outside of ourselves present us with something so we can look at the, the whole situation from a different perspective is truly incredible. So I was really curious to find out from Adelaide if my predictions of having a tight pelvic floor could uh, have affected my birth. And she kindly explained how there's no such thing as a tight muscle. <laughs> and how by truly understanding the physiology of a body, we can work with it and not against it. And this was fascinating to me because the way she explains the workings of the body made me realize that some of the practices that I was doing before birth was not supporting my body's needs. The thing that really stood out for me in this conversation was the way Adelaide gracefully unraveled a labyrinth of ideas that have been fed to us all of our life. The way the medical system has been separating the body and the mind and the spirit whilst offering us medications and exercises that only mask the symptoms, leaving us feeling disconnected and helpless. Adelaide has extensively studied the female physiology and works so closely with many women all around the world. And she brings forward this helping hand. Do you know them times when we're just unable to tap into our intuition we're blinded they're the moments that women just like Adelaide can remind us remind us of our truth and see where we have been disconnected by an external source for whatever reason so if right now you're feeling stuck if you're feeling dull if you're feeling overwhelmed by the information that's out there if there's something in your life that is causing you suffering, and you'll know if you have this because it affects you on all levels of your life, 
all aspects of your being. It ripples into everything that you connect with. I think it's that conversation that we all need to listen to, to be reminded that we are our greatest healer, that there is a lot of information out there. And if we slow down, we come back to our body, we listen and we hold space for every arising, we will hear what is our belief and what is actually our truth, our beliefs coming from the mind, from everything that we've been fed up until this point and our truth being that point right in the center of us that knows everything, our wisdom, our intuition, sacred space that has been hidden from us for so long. It's there, it's still there and it's waiting for you to come home. So I'm sending you so much love and just to know that you've got this and I know that sometimes seem tougher than others but this is the wave and every time you go down to the trough you are picking up some gems you know from the bottom of the ocean and you'll come back up and just with the practice of being present with everything coming back to your body and really slowing down before you make any decisions slow down and listen where can you nurture yourself more in this moment what can you do right now that serves you? And I absolutely love that question. What serves me right now? Does this serve me right now? And just having these precious questions by your side will really support you on your journey. I really hope that this episode serves you. And if you want to find out more about Adelaide and the work that she's doing, I'll leave all her information in the show notes. Remember to stay tuned to the very end because we have our special feature, Mother's Circle, where we share a mother's story just to hold space and to listen. Also, if you're looking for a safe space to share what's going on in your world, to maybe get some support and insights, you can join our free mother's community where you can be anonymous if you like. And this is away from Facebook and Instagram. It's on uh, the platform called Discord. And I'm going to leave the information in the show notes for this as well. So before we start, let us just tune in to our body. And first of all, going straight into the mouth. And noticing how it feels in there. If you can take the tongue from the top of the mouth and just stick the tongue out. And take a few breaths with your tongue sticking out so that you can hear and feel your breath coming in. Really, really stick your tongue out. Open the jaw. As you do this, lengthen through the spine and give your hips a little wiggle. Take a deep breath in. And exhale, close the mouth. Let the shoulders drop. Mm. Giving thanks to your beautiful body. Giving thanks for you being here, for showing up deepest love and gratitude to you. Welcome everybody to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. This week, Angelica and I are so excited to welcome Adelaide onto the show. Welcome Adelaide. Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and sort of humbled to 
be speaking on your podcast, especially as a woman who has yet to have children of her own. I feel like I've learned so everything I know I've learned from others. So, so such a delight to be here. Thank you. And it's Thank funny you. because we've been, we've been following you, but you have no idea who we are. That's the beauty of it. Really. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're All new right. to me. So yeah, it's, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> well, we would love to know how you got to this point doing the work that you do. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, that's a trajectory <laughs> of a start? question, <laughs> right? So, um, for me, I grew up, um, rurally and I grew up working with animals specifically with horses and other large livestock. And I start there because the ability to at home or like, you know, not in a medical environment, so to speak, Mm-hmm. Uh, address and heal and watch things heal was a part of my life growing up. Um, and I think that is just so meaningful. And I, I have a whole reason to believe that children should be exposed and really centering non-human relationships in childhood. Cause I think it's such an incredible learning capacity to really, truly care for animals um, and plants as well. But so for me, I mean, I grew up you know, doing stuff on the farm and watching, you know, I still remember the first time I saw a full baby horse be born. Um, you know, just knowing that birth was the thing that occurred and also something as simple as like flushing and treating wounds, learning how to bandage, learning how to suture from the age of 10, like stuff like that, which I don't, I mean, obviously that is uh, not everyone's upbringing, but just knowing that there was so much, it, it, is, it was a given that for certain things, you wouldn't like call the vet out for that. You will just, this is how you, you know, clear an abscess or soak a foot or wrap a wound or, um, you know, cold hose, a soft tissue injury or whatever. And I, um, in hindsight, looking back, just knowing from a young age that the care, that there's just so much we could do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. which I kind of learned secondhand, um, I would say from caring for animals. So that's like way back when, and then I, you know, sort of moved through my life doing that, um, until I was in my early twenties and was always interested in women and birth. And I, um, started teaching yoga and I like so many, you know, women, I got into yoga and started teaching and, uh, actually had, you know, a very strong interest initially in the anatomy and physiology. So then rather than just doing yoga and being a yoga teacher, I really became a, um, you know, just deeply interested in anatomy and physiology and looked into and took, uh, you know, courses that were more geared towards nurses and people who are doing dissection and just a, um, you know, that kind of deep uh, sort of anatomical approach, which I now utilize in my work, but definitely isn't based on on uh, anatomy, which anatomy literally means to cut, right. Or to dissect. And so interested in more a holistic approach, but just was always fascinated by the body and, um, thought about going to vet school, but didn't end up doing that. And then I, um, moving a little further along, I got very gravely injured in my early twenties and broke my neck and my back and my pelvis and my hips and, or one of my hips and my shoulder, my scapula. And I also had a really severe head trauma. So I had more than a dozen um, cerebral bleeds. So brain bleeds. And it took me, I was in the hospital for um, almost three years. And it, so my entire life shifted in the, you know, in a moment. And my, I had to relearn how to do everything. How to like walk and talk and read and write and 
through all that uh, when I was 21, which I, you know, that's not why I'm a good body worker by any means or why I work with women now, but I do have a lot of very personal um, experience in healing. And I managed to heal from all, like, I feel great now, but I managed to, you know, sort of surpass all medical recommendations. I never had surgery on any of my fractures and I was told I would never walk without a limp. I was told I would never, Mm. you know, be able to read, uh, Mm. (laughs) like all this stuff. And I Mm. just really shifted, uh, somewhere along my healing journey out of the allopathic model because I wasn't healing and into a like nutrition and women's-based medicine model and slowly saw my health improve and it is continuing to improve. Um, you know, from those types of, uh, traumas, it's a lifelong process to heal. Um, but I realized that's true for everyone, right? Everyone is in their lifelong healing process. So, um, but that really sort of shifted my trajectory and, and I became, um, you know, a body worker full time. And, uh, and then I guess somewhere I caught the birth bug because I realized I was serving only women and I started, started, you know, sort of teaching prenatal and postpartum classes and then got invited to births. And then I was like, well, this is clearly where it's at. And then I, you know, <laughs> studied, started studying in birth. And then I sort of was walking down the track to become a certified, um, home birth midwife, SC, uh, not CNM, but a CPM. And the kind of deeper I got along in that, uh, trajectory, the more I saw a lack of evidence-based practice, just like I had when I was in my sort of allopathic physical therapy recovery, which is a lack of evidence-based practice, a lack of true understanding of female pelvic anatomy, which I had learned a lot about from breaking my hip and pelvis and losing all um, sort of genital sensation and having recovered all of that. I was like, oh, well, none of this is true, <laughs> what I'm um, learning. Mm. So mm. I ended up um, walking away from that trajectory. And um, yeah, I enrolled in the first round of the Radical Birth school through the free birth society. So that was years, a few years ago now and having already attended births and just shifted my practice fully to attending outside the system and, um, doing, you know, pelvic health work that I had been doing, but now I run a full, uh, well woman care practice. So I see women for most things that they would go to the gynae for. Um, but we, um, manage, you know, all of it from outside of the medical model, from, you know, menarche all the way up through menopause, including the whole birthing year. And Mm. I am really, you know, it's amazing. I just see sort of women step into their sovereignty and their healing every day in a way that blows my mind. I also will say I'm, you know, just, I'm a young woman, right? I'm in my thirties. I don't know it all. And I am forever learning by like any far stretch. So it's just such a gift for me to actually be able to be in relationship with women because I learn something, you know, constantly, like every single woman I see, whether if we're well women care or, um, along her birthing paradigm is, mm. uh, you know, everyone's different. And so every time I see something, I'm like, Oh, well, I've never seen this before. Every single person, you know, which of course isn't to say that there's not, uh, you know, things that, that are similarities, but, um, I'm thinking of a, of a quote that I don't know who said it first, Um, but, uh, you know, every birth that you go to will be exactly the same and completely different from every birth you've ever been to before. And I feel like, I know Emily Saldea told me that, um, the first time I heard it and I, uh, maybe it was Yolanda Norskog, I'm not sure, but 
I find that that to be true, not just in birth, but in working with the female body in general. So Mm. that's kind of my roving trajectory. So sort of a lot of education, I've done a lot of training, but I carry no Mm. certificates or certification um, on purpose, right? I've actually walked away from all of that. Perfect. Mm. Who needs them anyway? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. What a journey. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I was just wondering, as you were saying that, because you you were totally dropped back into your body. And even though you can find all the information and the modern day knowledge, I wonder um, what's your experience with the mysteries that lie within the pelvis and how much of this, like the energy and the inspiration came from, from that, from within. And if you can also like just talk about the mysteries that are held within the womb within the pelvis for women and how we've maybe been disconnected from it with our posture with our breath with different stresses around us if you notice Mm -hmm. yeah so one thing that is uh just how I generally approach things. It's just having heard sort of my background is I come from an anatomy and physiology background. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I am not, uh, you know, my sort of starting point was absolutely one that had a faith orientation in my sort of personal life, but not in like the work that I did, so to speak. I was like, Oh, well, if you just look at this from a, you know, biomechanical perspective, blah, 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 blah. Right. And yeah. what I have discovered is, you know, the longer I work with women, how that just, you know, it's really where the physiological meets the metaphysical, that there is so much that is just, you know, subtle and to be discovered on a unique and individual level as to what healing actually means and what healing looks like and what mm. someone's individual mm. healing capacity is. And mm. so I, you know, and I'll share now with, you know, when you're like mysteries that are found in the pelvis, like I'll. I'll, you know, offer some things that are coming from my background and my perspective, um, while also knowing that they're, uh, you know, that it's, it's impossible really to separate our physiology from our sort of innate metaphysical nature. Right. And how I see that playing out is the body is just so incredibly responsive and so incredibly complex and brilliant and, um, that the more I have actually learned about what is actually in the nature of our tissues, the more sort of divine it has become for me. So I just want to offer that as well. Like, while we're going to be talking about, or I'm going to mostly be talking about the physiology, like the idea that that is somehow, um, you know, divorced from divinity Mm -hmm. is that to me in and of itself feels allopathic and feels fundamentally like anti-woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to kind of offer that as well. And even if we're looking at the example of like, we don't even know exactly what happens at the moment of conception. Like we're really not sure. Like we know all the surrounding players and all the kind of the precursor and the following moments, but that spark from no life to life, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) we don't know, like that is actually the sort of divine creatrix moment, in my opinion, that is, um, uh, that is, that is one of the great mysteries. And I think, um, uh, Wapio, she talks about, um, you know, how it is, you know, the role exactly that like sperm plays in fertilization of an egg is mm-hmm. like, 
in question, essentially. Like we know that, or we think we know that like, it's obviously required for like the entire process of fertilization, but is it required for that like spark of shifting mm-hmm. into non-life to life and specifically for having female children? Um, or like, Mm. is like spontaneous conception, like from a physiological perspective, like possible for Mm. women for conceiving girls and daughters. And we're not going to get into this. It's like if too much today, cause there's, you know, it's it's a whole thing, but, um, (laughs) but it's a good one. I love that. It's it's so amazing. Cause there's like, oh, right. Oh, right. Like we don't actually get it all. And kind of the more we study about what we do know, the more I see just how, how much, um, you know, how much mystery as you put it, or just sort of brilliance or uh, divine orchestration that is a part of our bodies as a whole. And for me, the lens into that is pelvic health largely because I think many of us are, you know, can be quite disconnected, right. From our pelvic health. Like I was just speaking with, um, you know, a, uh, a doctor this morning who, was asking me and I was seeing her for something else entirely. Like I was a patient of hers and she knows what I do for work. And she was like, just asking me all these questions about, you know, fertility and just like the sort of basics of conceiving. And she's like, so, you know, we should talk, we were talking about birth control and it was just clear to me. I'm like, Oh, you're a doctor. You went all the way through medical school. She's probably 35 maybe. Mm. And like, there was just a basic lack of comprehension of Mm. your hormonal cycle or like, like, you know, mm. she was, she was like, so I want to get pregnant in the month of August. Like, what do I do? Was pretty much her question. And I was like, okay, that question oh. in and of itself, like there's a lot that people need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Here's my card. Um, so I think there's that a gap, right? There's a huge mm. gap. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Have you totally listened? Feel. Have you heard of, um, have you heard of Rupert Sheldrake, like in his work in the morphic field? I'm not going to go too much into it, but. I've been listening to his work a lot and it's what we've been talking about of that. Like we've been, we've had this separation, but it's because we've been brought up that the world is mechanical, you know, that there's, mm. that, mm-hmm. that the trees are mechanical, that animals are mechanical, that humans are. And then when actually we're missing, when I, when, even when I say mystery, it sounds like it's something separate from what we have or what everyone can have, but it's like, we just, right. we're just blinded. That's all. Or we just can't touch it or it's not familiar to us but everyone has access to it so I I love everything that you were saying there yeah and I think you just put the you know put the nail right on the head or hit the nail right on the head it's like you know I want to really offer this idea that we can look at things you know how someone might say like mechanically or like looking at what's going on physiologically but that doesn't need to be devoid of mysticism right Right. and Mm -hmm. I have found that that to me is actually for me where I was confronted with the mysticism of the body, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like, oh, the more I studied, the more I learned, the more I was like, oh, wow, we can know all of this is possible, but based on like all of this, what's probable is something entirely different from what I see happening. And I yes. really mean that in the context of healing, right? Mm-hmm. My, my, I'm a good example. Like, you know, what was quote unquote probable for my healing mm-hmm. is like, so different from who I am and what my trajectory has been. And that happens. And I would say over and over and over again. And so to me that the more we, the more we look, the more we're really willing to see the mysticism in the body, that it can absolutely be seen through what some might call like a biological approach, which I'm over here. So shouting from the rooftops, like, Oh my gosh, it's not dry. Like let's study about how all of our biology works because we'll just see um, sort of the innate brilliance and be 
un- be, you know, it's unable, in my opinion, to be shielded from the yes. kind of innate mystery of the body if we really are diving into what's going on. So that's the perspective from which I work. And I, you know, I do a lot of teaching. I, um, and even when I see women, you know, one-on-one, which I do a lot of as well, uh, say they're, you know, working to heal, um, I don't know, chronic pelvic pain or chronic recurring in, uh, any kind of pelvic infection or painful sex or prolapse, or, uh, those are things I, I work with a lot. Um, hmm. so let's talk about of some it. of them. Yeah, totally. Yes. <laughs> totally. So the, the, I the like, yeah, go ahead. I was just wondering if you could like give us an insight on how we can prepare, um, during pregnancy, because I know I was doing so much, So I come from a background where I was a nurse, I was a yoga teacher, like I was, I had a lot of, um, I would say, modern knowledge. But then when it came to pregnancy, I didn't really know what I was doing, if that makes sense. So I had to just see what felt right. And I was doing a lot of um, pelvic floor exercises, but I feel like, I don't know if this is true, please tell me if it is, but I feel like when I gave birth, that maybe it was too tight. Like maybe there was too much going on there that I couldn't release. Like it was my first, but I've spoken to other mothers and um, yeah, just this idea, like, did I do too much work on contracting my pelvic floors, like of doing the work there and not understanding how to release it? I don't know how you felt about that, Angelica. I don't know if we've talked about this. Yeah, we spoke about it. I remember, um, I think it was with Zoe, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, she yeah. Was that was on it. our podcast, yeah. Yeah, so no, for me, I actually did the opposite. I was just really, really taking it slowly. So for me, I, I did not feel, feel very tight. And I don't know if that was the reason or, but I was just like, I, I'm just going to trust this process and <laughs> I'm just going to relax and not worry too much that you know, everything is going to be damaged down there. That's pretty much how, that's pretty much how I feel like, well, the, the modern, um, well, society speaks about our, you know, our pelvis and, and birth and like, oh, you need to do all these exercises. Do, do yeah. we really? Fear-based. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of, it's very typical for me. Like if the doctor says something, I'll do the opposite because I'm like, I don't trust you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like mm, I'm just gonna go with what I feel is right for my body at this moment mm. um, so the only thing I, I really focused on was doing the perennial massage that was that was pretty much it mm. when it comes to the preparing of the actual birth yeah oh, cool. yeah so first thing I want to say is, you know, I've never given birth, right? So I just want to offer that. I see, you know, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of mothers and I talk about this all the time, but why I like to preface that is there is literally nothing that I could say or offer that is more intelligent than what you have the ability to access within your own experience of your own body. Mm. So, yeah. so much of what the work that you know, I do on all of the sort of things that I see with women and work with is on an educational basis. It's like, let me give you some framework. Let me give you some education of how to understand the sensations that you're having, how to understand from at least an intellectual level, what you're experiencing physically. Cause one that can take so much of the fear out, right. Just having a sense of understanding. And then I believe that sort of given that sense of uh, comprehension of even just pelvic floor anatomy or inner pelvic and outer pelvic anatomy in general, what actually happens to our organs during birth and early postpartum, all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, well, literally everything that's happened was intelligent based on the stimulus. Because that's always the case. Like the body is always doing the most intelligent thing 100% Mm. of the time. So Mm. like 
and understanding how that's true for us individually is, is, you know, really amazing. So that is the approach that I always offer in, in whatever it is that we're working with, um, for healing and in public, you know, our healing or, or supporting our public health. But in terms of your question specifically, I mean, I, um, you know, the idea of like a tight pelvic floor, I'm famous for saying there's no such thing as a tight muscle. Like that's not a biological reality. Um, like what something being tight is, is, uh, the sensation or the sensation of something being tight is actually the sensation of something being immobile. So if we're thinking from a nerve perspective, we have all these different types of nerves that sense mobility. We have stretch receptors that sense and muscle that are primarily in our muscle tissues that are indicating on a neurological level, whether the muscle is extending or lengthening or contracting. Um, we also have proprioceptors and interoceptors that are telling us you know, sort of what's going on within the belly of the muscle, what's going on, where we are in space. So we have all of these nerves that their primary thing in our musculature that they're sensing. And we have a lot of different types of muscles and sort of how they're inter or interwoven through the various types of muscle tissue is varied. But if we're sort of speaking generally, our nerves in our muscles sense movement. They sense a lot of things, but one of their primary things they sense is movement. So if we're actually not, if we're having the sense of tightness, what we're having is a sense of immobility. Like that's the, that's the true information that we're getting from the nerves. And in, you know, uh, if we sort of just speak in maybe more woo woo terms, um, I, I just, I just like that term, but um, you know, it's like, oh, well, what are, can you interpret the messages from the body, right? It's like, oh, what is your body telling you, right? But actually quite literally when we, like when the body is quote unquote telling us or when, you know, or one way the body speaks to us is through sensations through our central nervous system. And we have, you know, a whole other nervous system that isn't connected to our central nervous system that has to do with our fascia and blah, blah, blah. But the, that sensation of like, ah, I'm so tight is sensation of muscles not moving. And muscles don't move for two reasons. They're, well, they don't move because they're locked, right? But they're locked either long, meaning they're struggling to contract or locked short, meaning they're struggling to extend, right? But whether a muscle is locked long or locked short, the sensation that we have is that that muscle is tight, right? That that muscle mm -hmm. is just not yeah. moving. And so, mm -hmm. so often we'll have muscles that are locked short. Mm -hmm. I mean, excuse me, we'll have muscles that are locked long and locked long meaning they're struggling to contract, right? They're mm -hmm. locked in this lengthened, extended state. Yeah. But then we feel that that muscle is tight. And so what is the universal response to tightness? Because we aren't you know, really taught very much about our bodies is to quote unquote stretch or to work to get into positions that will continue to lengthen that muscle. When right. if that muscle mm -hmm. is already in lengthened state, you're only serving to you know, kind of contribute to uh, the underlying muscular reality that is creating that sensation in the first place. So a good right. example of this would be like, I have tight hips and I do yoga and I do pigeon pose for 10 years and they feel the same, right? Like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, because it doesn't mean anything to have tight hips, <laughs> really. Like it means like, oh, your outer <laughs> hip muscles, because you're a woman, your hamstrings, your outer hips are likely locked long and then you continue to lengthen them and nothing really changes. And mm. I find that to be incredibly common. And the sort of emphasis on the pelvic floor that is separate from the uh, the rest of our pelvic anatomy, I think it's another misnomer that we often think about in preparing for birth. And uh, I like to think of not even just the pelvic floor, but the muscles that are inside the musculature, the organs, the soft tissue, the fascia, right, all of it uh, that is within the pelvic bowl and then outside of the pelvic bowl. So I like to say we have our internal pelvic structures and our external pelvic structures. 
And overall, like a common postural pattern for women, just because of not only modern life, but because of how we're taught to stand, breathe, work out, the rest of it, is we'll have chronically locked long external pelvic musculature, meaning our glutes, our hamstrings, our QLs, our spinal erectors, all struggle mm-hmm. to contract to support us and untuck the tailbone, which would be lengthening the coccyx or the tailbone away from the pubic bone and sort of traction that pelvic floor long, right? Um, mm-hmm. And as a result of that chronically locked long whole exterior pelvic muscles, everything inside the pelvis becomes locked short, I right? Because yeah. everything is compensatory. Mm-hmm. So then if we have all of this locked long musculature on the outside, locked short on the inside, the whole point is that everything's locked and nothing's really moving. But somehow when we do our pelvic floor exercises and our kegeling and also doing all of our pigeon pose to open our outer hips, Mm -hmm. somehow in the name of our pelvic health, what are we doing? We're locking short the internal pelvic musculature. We're locking long the external Mm -hmm. pelvic musculature, which for most women, it's already the pattern that we need to address. Yeah, we're just like encouraging it. We're just encouraging it. Um, because most of what we've been taught has to do with male pelvic anatomy and is actually relevant to us because of the unique mobile nature (laughs) of our pelvic bones. The fact that the female pelvis is actually an open portal, right? Quite literally at the bottom, Mm -hmm. right? So we have the way we arrange our bones can, um, can support our pelvic musculature or can quite literally, like if we tuck our tailbone and tip our pelvis backwards, we're literally like creating a slide for our pelvic organs to descend, Mm-hmm. And then if we're creating that from our bony structure and the way that we're breathing, and there's a lot that contributes to that postural pattern, then the muscles are like, well, I don't want to go, I don't want to do that because our organs obviously have a, um, you know, every cell in our body is trying to survive given the conditions. And, you know, that, yeah. you know, means they're trying to create support for our womb, for our pelvis, for our pelvic organs. And if we're in a position that is minimizing that support from a structural and postural and sort of um, respiratory perspective, then the musculature overworks to compensate because something has to support us. Right. Right. And if our breath and posture is not, and our workouts are not, and everything we're Mm. doing is not supporting, then it can create this sort of overactivity within the inner pelvic musculature. And then Mm. we notice if our, those muscles are forever, um, you know, like tightening and like contracting, so to speak, Mm -hmm. any muscle and I, I know I'm talking a lot about muscles here and there's a lot at play within the pelvic floor, but I right. just, for simplicity's sake, um, mm-hmm. if we're only talking about muscles, then any muscle that is in a, that is not moving will atrophy. doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's your bicep, your glute, doesn't matter what it is. Right. So if your, you know, pelvic floor muscles are kind of constantly in that tightening, squeezing mode, say on a scale of one to 10, they're relaxing to a seven, squeezing to a 10, relaxing to a seven, squeezing to a 10. If you're mm-hmm. only moving through a third of that range of motion over time, that's going to atrophy the muscle like it would for any muscle in the body. So and that somehow, means to get smaller, right? Oh, to atrophy. Yeah. Well, it means not only to get smaller, but it means to lose um, ability to do the primary yeah. action that muscles have. And the primary action that, that muscles have is simplicity. Simplicity yeah. meaning the ability to extend to full extension of the muscle within the bounds of the connective tissue and then to contract within the full bounds of the muscle. So that's Mm -hmm. the primary action of all muscles, right? And if muscle atrophies, it is losing the ability to do that primary action. I hope that you're enjoying this week's episode. I'd like to take a moment to share a little bit about this week's sponsor, Evolving Humans. Evolving Humans teaches the most effective energy healing technique, which we can use to restore balance throughout our whole body 
personally, I have found this practice to be extremely simple and deeply transformative. When I mastered this technique, I was able to regain power over my life. I finally stopped running and distracting myself from my emotions. This technique teaches you to feel the energy in your body and be with it so it can be seen and loved and without any force or suppression. And from that space, it finds its own path which clears you of any unnecessary tension. Have you ever suffered with a chronic disease, injury, mental turbulence, heartache, depression, anxiety? I could go on and on. The question is, what do all of these expressions have in common? They create a sensation in your body which creates a discomfort or a pain. What do you usually do when you feel something like this? We are taught to do whatever it takes to remove the pain. Wouldn't you like to heal yourself without relying on an external source? Like I mentioned before, it's so simple. It takes no mental power to do this. You literally just have to feel. Evolving Humans are offering a 10% discount on their course, which will share everything you need to know. Visit evolvinghumans.com and use the code MOTHERHOOD22. And I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. So um, if we think of, and also think about this sort of outside of the pelvis, right? Just because we often are more familiar with that. You're like, your leg is in a cast for six months, mm-hmm. the muscle sort of wastes away. And it is like, it's hard to then like flex your calf when you get the cast off, so to speak, right? right? It's losing its primary ability to like really strongly um, contract or extend. Mm. And that is true for any muscle that's immobilized. So I just, just to sort of close this loop a little bit and have closed the thought pattern. So if you're sort of creating that, right, you're chronically kind of kegeling or squeezing the pelvic floor in an attempt to strengthen the pelvic floor. If you're not actually moving through the full range of motion over time, that atrophies the pelvic floor, but it's still quite quote unquote tight, meaning Mm -hmm. you've practiced the immobilizing of those tissues. And ultimately for childbirth, what needs to occur is those tissues need to relax. And in general, in the female body, Mm -hmm. our pelvic tissues need to chill right? Because Mm -hmm. that's just the nature of our female anatomy. We want like lengthened, supple internal pelvic tissues. Yeah. To be able to flow flow and do what it needs to do in the moments. (sighs) Yeah. Including for like orgasmic capacity, right? The ability of our cervix and our uterus to move freely up and down within the pelvic cavity is the actual physiology of female orgasm, right? Specifically cervical orgasm, right? So if we are wanting to sort of increase our sexual and orgasmic capacity, or like if we're not even talking about preparing for birth, we need to be promoting the simplicity of those tissues. And what mm-hmm. we often like supple tissues are strong tissues, right? Uh, locked tissues are weak tissues. We know this in general, and this is true for the pelvic floor. So enhancing that mobility of our inner pelvic musculature is really important. And for so often we're like, oh, that's what I'm doing when I'm sort of squeezing and kegeling, so to speak, and lifting. But it it might actually only be practicing a very limited (laughs) range of motion, right? We might actually be Mm. minimizing simplicity. And so it's not to say that any individual action is wrong. There's no incorrect actions in the body. The body is designed with an incredibly diverse 
um, you know, capacity to move in an infinite uh, number of ways. And that's right. part of its brilliance of being a biomechanical mm-hmm. with the emphasis on bio, meaning alive and changing. So it is a biomechanical, like we are biomechanical. And so like we, there's, there's no action that's wrong, but it's just, what are we doing and what's in balance and really knowing right. why we're doing what we're doing? Like, what is right. the point? So to you, Angelica, you're saying you're like, oh, I just had a sense that like, oh, everything's chill. Like, it's like, I don't need to do much. Right. And I, and I, I like that is, I mean, just even that default that like the body is inherently intelligent and going to do its thing. I really love that approach. And mm-hmm. I also think that if we are in a pattern of having, you know, I, I really want to, you know, first and foremost, emphasize specifically because you have a podcast for mothers, like birth works birth is functional, right? Like you can be in a coma and birth your baby. There's no, there's nothing that's like inherently like required or necessary. So I really want to say that. Mm. And also there is truth to be said about like our, like our mobility and our modern lifestyles. And that like, if we have a, you know, if we really struggle with a lot of like basic kind of mobility stuff, then that might show up in our birth. That doesn't mean that your birth won't work or that you're not going to be able to birth your baby, not at all. Um, but there are, you know, developing or that even has any like indication on how the birth will unfold. So I, I don't, the correlation isn't that direct. And of course, having healthy supple tissues is just a supportive way to be in your body, birth right. or mm. otherwise. Wow. This is so fascinating. And I feel like I could like go on so many like different paths with this because actually oh, yeah. it's it's so like everything's so connected as we were talking about at the beginning that you can't put your finger on one thing. And actually I'm wondering like when you're working with people, Adelaide, it must be, you must have to go quite deep into actually what might be causing stress or triggering them because as we feel things in our body, as we experience things, mentally or from like we're going into a certain environment our body also responds to that and so prolonged events or like memories arising PTSD things like that um that also stays locked in the body so all the stuff that we were talking about it's like Mm -hmm. constantly like coming back and reflecting and finding that flow state that suppleness that you were talking about Mm -hmm. yeah it's beautifully said and and what you're saying here is like, yeah, I, I preface this by being like, my approach is usually through physiology because we so quickly arrive at everything else, right? Yeah, the right. body tells the story, right? So if I am seeing women that, so I'll just give like a very, you know, sort of mocked up, like shortened example, but you know, if a woman comes in and she's having painful sex, um, or I see a lot of women who, are, who either struggle to orgasm or are having painful sex, um, it's like, okay, well, let's look at how you're standing. Like, okay, well, you're tucking your tailbone chronically and you struggle to do that. So that's going to limit the mobility of your cervix. And you're like, okay, well, why do you do that? You're like, well, I was told I, you know, I was a dancer my whole life and I was always shamed for having like a big butt. And so I was told I really had to tuck it under. And then as I got older then my, you know, my low belly started softening because you hit puberty. And I was told I had to like suck in my low belly and tuck my tailbone. And it became part Mm. of, you know, how I relate to being, a female is that that's just partial. That's like the whole thing. And I'm like, okay, so now going back to, to like, you know, maybe 20 years before there's this patterning that we've carried. And then, I mean, that's just a, a, 
and then like, you know, then maybe we add to then because of that, I then expected sex to hurt. Right. And so then I learned Mm. that that was just something I had to endure. And then that made me not speak up sexually. Mm. And then because I wasn't speaking up sexually, then I actually ended up having a lot of sex that I didn't want to have, which Mm. is rape in any other word. Right. And so Mm. all like, and then, you know, that then creates a, obviously a trauma response in the body. And that has to do, you know, in our vagus nerve, our, our, um, you know, sort of the, the central uh, nerve pathway for our entire parasympathetic, our rest and digest nervous system, which is what needs to be, you know, we can't physically be building anything new if we're not in somewhat of a parasympathetic response. And that includes neurological pathways in the brain. So the capacity for us to actually feel something new requires there be a growth capacity in the brain and the rest of the body. We need to be building new synapses and and new experiences. And if we can't, we can't actually be doing that from a physiological perspective, if we're not in at least somewhat of a downregulated nervous system state. So then maybe you have this heightened nervous system state that comes from all this sexual history. Maybe you're expecting pain. Maybe you obviously, maybe you have a sexual assault history or, or even just any sex you didn't want to have, which there's a huge spectrum there. And so then you're in this heightened state, which that from a physiological level is going to be tugging on the cervix because the, um, I mean, that's kind of a vivid image. It doesn't quite work like that, but our vagus nerve comes to fruition in the cervix. So if it's not in a fully mobile state, that's going to be limiting our cervical mobility, which is going to be adding to any discomfort that might happen with penetrative sex and, and, and so on and so forth. Right. And so all of a sudden we're like, okay, you're having painful sex. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, like, can we, can you, can you lay down? And can we support the pelvis in an untucked position? Can you take diaphragmatic breaths that are going to soothe with like, you know, supportive oral, like as in, in the mouth, oral posture, right? That's going to support your pelvic posture. And can you actually just like feel any sense of mobility in the pelvic floor, any, any sense of the pelvic floor at all, mm. or just the pelvis in general. And the yeah. moment you sense something new, like the moment you're like, whoa, I've never feel that, felt that before. Uh-huh. Boom. You've just created a new neurological capacity in the brain. You've just actually grown your ability to feel. And holy smokes, like that's a life-changing and also incremental, you know? Yeah. That's like, is that one of the things that you would say to women getting started is just to, for that practice of untucking the tailbone and doing diaphragmic Mm -hmm. breathing and just- Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If kind I of expect like something take- else, right? It's like something bigger, but it's just so simple. Like just to start off so small and just to learn to listen and to feel. Like, can you right. feel your tailbone moving away from your pubic bone? Can Even you as you're feel- saying it, I'm feeling it now. It feels great. You know, like I felt like your something. vagina can like take a breath in, you know? Yeah, like, right? it's, totally. So like, can you feel your tailbone sort of lengthen away from your pubis? Can you feel your diaphragm expand, noting that your diaphragm is primarily on your back body. So the back mm. ribs float back, the side right. ribs widen, this yeah. emphasis on belly breathing. But when they say the belly, you're really talking about your womb and your womb, right? That's like mm. when, you know, right. if you do belly breathing and yoga as like, as though that's somehow where your lungs and diaphragm are, which like, I would say belly breathing is predominantly for male bodies. Like I don't actually teach it very frequently unless women are learning how to breathe for the first time, which is fucking great. You should do that. Cause it can be very clear, but in general, 
like diaphragmatic breathing, expanding the side lungs and the back body, untucking the mm. tailbone. Like, I so mean, so much more specific. And it brings up yeah. so much more sensation. Like I can feel it now. It's just saying that the difference between it is, is big. It's huge actually. Yeah. It's very dynamic and very, you know, when we're like, this is so subtle. And I'm like, I don't think it's subtle. <laughs> it's really, like, it's huge, you know what I mean? So, but I think obviously anything that, you know, maybe can't be seen from the outside can be diagnosed or, or you know, sort of assessed as subtle. Mm. And I think that, I mean, that kind of speaks to our culture at large, but right. um, I think that, uh, we, that would absolutely be where I would start. Like everything that's going on with our pelvic health. Like if we are not breathing and supported in a way that's going to allow for adequate blood flow and lymphatic flow, it doesn't yeah. matter what's going on. If you're healing a vaginal tear, if you're clearing a yeast infection, if you're, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like it doesn't matter if you don't have adequate blood flow and lymphatic flow due to the way you're sitting, standing and breathing it's going to minimize your capacity for healing period. And you see it when you, when you see people, I suppose, when you're working with them, it's like that, um, that roll in effect, like you see their posture, you see the way they're breathing, you see the things, the way that they're moving their body. And then just through some slight changes, you then make that opening like very simply to get Mm -hmm. you started. Wow. Yeah. 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 No, I was just going to say like when, um, just sometimes when I go through time, it's not like I'm scanning people, but sometimes I could just see, you know, some women going in those super tight jeans and these two small shoes and, you know, the, the, the shoulders are up to their ears and they're like holding their breath almost to keep mm-hmm. their belly in. And I'm like, wow, like that's, that looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, right. what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is something that, that really came to me when I was pregnant myself. And then that's what the first time I really, really realized when, wow, I've been tucking in my belly for so long. Why have I been doing that? Or what I know why, you know, to fit into the society frame or whatever, um, and it made me so sad and released at the same time that I mm. could look at it and then release it. And I also grieve that what have I done to my body? Like, why did I, why did I even stop doing that? So mm. I'm so happy that you mentioned this because it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing to our healing and to the way that we are, you know, that we carry ourselves. Totally. It's huge. And like, and it's hard. Like I teach about this for all day, every day. You know what I mean? This is a huge, huge part of my life. And mm. I still am like, you know, I'm, I'm not immune to it either. Like, you know, I work in the, you know, whatever I like teach what could be considered fitness classes. Although I don't mm-hmm. consider them that I feel like other people might, mm-hmm. um, you know, I teach movement for the female body. I, I love my high-waisted yoga plants and, you know, cute sports bras as much as every other girl. You know, I mean, which is maybe not at all. I shouldn't say that. That was sort of, you know, and like whatever generalist and anti-feminist, but speaking for myself, like I also, you know, I am forever breaking the habit and also just being an, like an over-exerciser and like whatever, like I, I do it too. And I'm just like Mm. right now, even sort of can, I'm just continually practicing this myself. And I will say that for me, I had excruciating pelvic pain right? My SI joints, my sacrum, my sort of, I had an internal pelvic floor work, like everything hurt mm-hmm. all the time. Wow. And I had significantly, you know, I had like anorgasmic sex and like, I had all of it mm. and now I just don't, I feel fucking <laughs> great, you know? And I have, 
you know, I still obviously healing is infinite in what's available, but you know, I like do more strength training. I'm like not as mobile as I was when I was like, you know, a full-time yoga teacher, which hasn't been for a while for me now, but I still, you know, do that some. And yeah, I weigh 20 pounds more and I just like, Oh, my body feels amazing. And like, Mm -hmm. that is, um, I want to really, especially if you're out there, like the, the, the fit mom, you know, I was like yoga teacher, pelvic floor prep for birth, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Like, I just also want to be like, and what would happen if you like focused on strength? What would happen if you focused on your butt getting bigger and your belly getting bigger, not smaller? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what, what would, what capacity would that have for your overall health and comfort and so yeah, I just seen you as a role model as well. You know, like seeing going on social media is a great thing as well because seeing women that are actually doing it and on the other side, it's brighter, it's vibrant. It's not like you're not going to fall apart and everything that you know is going to dissolve and it's going to be a disaster. Like these changes can be positively life-changing. And as you said that, I, I remember for myself, like I, at one stage in my life, I couldn't have an orgasm. I had reoccurring yeast infections. I would have anxiety. Like I wouldn't breathe, wasn't breathing properly. It's when I was in the military and I was working as a nurse. And like you said, Angelica, like them tight pants, but mine weren't like so attractive. There were these like nurse pants, but they, they were tight around my waist and they always pushed just mm-hmm. near my diaphragm. They were really high up trousers and I had to wear them because I was a military nurse. It was part of the uniform. And um, I remember just mm. like that's time in my life. Like the sex was terrible. Like I literally felt so dirty after because I didn't want it. I was just like felt like I was closing up in all aspects. Then mm. the the yeast infections, it was just this rolling thing of like, mm-hmm. damn, mm-hmm. how do I how does this ever end? Mm. Oh wow. If anyone's listening and been through that, like I I've had so many women have this cycle. It's like stuck, but as you're saying it, Adelaide, it's like of course at them times there's no flow like there's there's a block in the river so it makes Uh, I just like and I just and like you're not like that anymore like I feel like I'm feeling in the end of the story right now but like exactly you're not like that anymore like it can change and like for me I mean I sort of glossed over my whole like you know I gave you my introduction as succinctly (laughs) as I could but I had a full body yeast infection for three years Wow. Right. And I, and this was like coincided, like sort of with my healing. So I had like been on a lot of pharmaceuticals and couldn't move super well. Right. So there was like a lot going on for me, but they thought like, they thought I had lupus. Like they had no idea what was going on. I'm like, I, it was like all over my skin, my tongue, my face, my vagina, like all of my whole body. Mm. And just like, I had no, like I, whatever. And I remember the the di- I think it's Diflucan that they, you know, it's like, okay, this is like, we'll pull out the big guns. Like this is the one, take one dose. Right. I remember at its worst, I took 18 subsequent doses morning and night for nine days. You're supposed to have one dose of Diflucan as like the, the last resort. And I took eight, they prescribed me 18 subsequent doses of Diflucan and it did fucking nothing. Oh I had zero response. And like that, I remember that was a big turning point for me where I was like, you can't help me. You can't yeah. help me. I got to take this And so health. I have to figure mm-hmm. it out. And I did. And I now haven't had a use infection in like six or seven years. And if mm-hmm. I did, it would, you know, I could clear it. You know what I mean? It wouldn't yeah. be that mm-hmm. big a deal. And it wouldn't be a big deal at all. It would just be like, oh, I should drink some water and do some, some douching and chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? And just relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just get to go away. Yeah. <laughs> and like, um, right. you know, and I think, 
and I will say that too, for women in pregnancy, I know that yeast infections can be quite common in pregnancy. And that's like, a, that's a, you know, there's like shifting pH in your, in your whole pelvic floor and vaginal pH that can like bring that on. And there's ways we can support that. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that it's like always just a piece of cake, but like I am. Um, yeah. Yes. Right. But there, but it's also the body that's communicating to us, right. Yeah. That's saying, oh. Hey, okay. I need your attention right now. And um, can you slow down or, you know, are, are you stressful for, because even pregnant women, most of the, like, yeah, all around the world still needs to work for, you know, a quiet period of time during a pregnancy and, and, you yeah. know, like all these things going on in life. And I think that these things, especially when it comes from, um, yeah, our queen, cause she is so wise mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's just like, hello, can you just like stop and you know, mm-hmm. listen to what I have to tell you. And I think mm-hmm. we need to go back to that and just like, you know, take a breather and and know that our body is not a curse. You know, it's not um, doing things to us. Like she's mm-hmm. just communicating so that we can get an opportunity to like, oh, okay. And, you know, uh, adjust it and, and give her the support that she needs because she always wants to heal, right? The, as you said, like the body always wants to heal um it's always capacity is there exactly and it is there we just need to give it the right you know support to do so sometimes if we have gone you know a little bit off track or whatever Um, yeah yeah i I, love that (laughs) just like go ahead hallelujah that was great it was (laughs) i was just thinking you're like oh listening to the body and like allow me to be a example of like needing it to get really loud for me to listen. Like I want, so if women right. are like, oh, you know what I mean? I'm like, you're like, I had these yeast infections. I'm like, totally girl. I had the, my whole body for three years. I'm like, went to all these doctors. But you know what I mean? Like it, my body was, was really being quite vocal, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Or even just like the slowing down, like my, you know, my, the accident that I had, I had been like traveling all over the world for a year. I got in a really bad bike accident. That's how I hurt myself. Like literally downhill biking, mm-hmm. going like 30 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like it just, yeah. the whole thing of just like, can you just chill? Right. Like, can you just listen? Right. Can you slow right. down? And I have had just like, you know, the grace of being reminded because I still do it. I'm like kind of a high strung mm-hmm. person. I like, it's just like, you know, whatever, I'll be learning this lesson for the rest of my life of, you know, how can I actually listen to what's going on and respond accordingly? So if right. you're a woman who's like, oh, it's too far gone, essentially. I just want to be an example of like, no, it's not. Like, it doesn't matter how significant your prolapse feels or your painful sex has endured or how many years since you've had an orgasm or how long you've struggled with bladder pain or whatever. Like, it's, it's never beyond healing, like ever, in my opinion. Yes. Thank you for that that. reminder. Oh my God. I'm like tearing up (laughs) because I did like, I did like, I'm in a situation or situation, but, um, yeah, I, I started like my teeth started to get really bad during my pregnancy, but I did not want to do like the whole x-ray thing. And, you know, uh, when I was pregnant and all this stuff. So I said, you know, I'll come back when, after I give birth and here I am one and a half year later, and my tooth is now screaming like literally I can't sleep at night and it hurts mm. a lot and then you know I'm like why did I do like why 
did I wait this long? Like I knew I needed to address this like quite, quite fast. And then I get upset with myself, right? Like I know better. Like my body has been whispering for quite some time now. She's like screaming. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh. but I also need to remember like and then what you just shared there, like to not hate on myself, you know, just like, okay, well, it happened. And, you know, right. I'm probably a little bit more wiser now and I won't. We're just Whenever learning, aren't we? Right. <laughs> We're just showing up every day and like doing the best uh, that we can. And with all yeah. this amazing knowledge, just being like, okay, I get that. And still there's some moments when we feel stuck, right? But mm. we know it doesn't mm. last forever. Like the things that we talk about, Angelica, we're always looking, observing, reflecting and moving forward. And yeah, it's 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 been such like an incredible conversation today. And I feel like... Wow, yeah. there's, there's so much that come come into this because it's our body it's our like incredible body and not just mm. that it's interacting with everything outside of us as well like the whole universe so it's like we can go on forever but I, I feel that there's been some really like incredible points that we've hit on that will will support so many women listening to this and be able to yeah. you know just like go inside and listen and know that the information's out there and I would love for you, Adelaide, to share with our audience what you're offering right now and yeah, mm -hmm. what what how where they can find you, anything that you want to share. Absolutely. Oh, it's been so great to talk to the two of you. And I'm just so glad I can't wait to tune into your other podcast episodes. <laughs> um so yeah, as I said, my name is Adelaide Meadow, and my uh you can find all of my work at Small Magic Birth. The best way to be in touch is probably to follow me on Instagram and also sign up for my newsletter, which you can um, do on my Instagram or on my website, which is smallmagicbirth.com. And my IG handle is at smallmagicbirth. In terms of, uh, I work with, in terms of, you know, working with me, I work with women both in person and all over the world, um, virtually. So I take, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one clients who are interested in having a support in healing something, um, that has to do with their, you know, their pelvic health essentially. And as we, as we discussed, you know, there is no really separation between our pelvic health, emotional health, spiritual health. So we can touch on a, on a lot in that work. And I take a few one-on-one -on -one clients a month, usually somewhere between four and six. And then we work together for for a whole month, um, minimum, right? If not going forward from there. Uh, so that is if you are, you know, wanting to heal from any of the sort of chronic things we've been discussing, that's a excellent resource that I can offer you. And then if you do have something small, I mean, you're not small or just like, Hey, I, you know, have some questions about this. I see some, some women sort of one on just for like, you know, one-on-one -on -one for 45 minutes. Um, that's, so those are my individual offerings, but then I also uh, have a program that's coming up that I'm really, really thrilled about. That is my women's work 1.0 program. So if you are a woman that works with women in any capacity, this program is for you. And it's the idea that this is what I wish I had done and had learned and had offered and, or had been offered when I started doing women's work over 10 years ago. And just, it is designed, right? Everything that we do uh, to support women needs to have an understanding of the female body, right? Women's oppression is based on our biology. So therefore female liberation must center the female body. So we go through physiological education. We also um, do reading from radical feminist writers, so sort of a radical feminist literary primer. And then we uh, learn to speak inarguably. So really learning how to speak clearly about what it is that you believe and why. And those skills are ones that we can all be honing in our women's work. And so 
I love this. I see women all over the world in our last cohort. We just had, you know, an engineer that wanted, was opening up an all female engineering lab and redesigning the bicycle for female physiology. We had a woman who is a neuroscientist who was wanting to dive more deeply into the neurology of cycle tracking. We had birth workers, we have mothers, midwives, uh, women who are leaving nursing. There was just so, so much of, um, you know, the work that we do and what we carry as women. So if you do want to kind of dive deeper into your anatomical knowledge, but not just that, but how to utilize it in a way that's truly integrated and feminist, that's a, that's a wonderful offering. And I have a new cohort that is starting in August. So registration for that program will open up in June. And so that's a wonderful offering. And then I teach in person, I teach in-person intensives. So I have a radical pelvic health intensive, which is a seven, a five, uh, six day retreat that is, um, all about resetting your pelvic health. So we'll be really, uh, diving deep into all of the physiology of the female body and going through all of the systems, skeletal, muscular, fascial, endocrine, respiratory, digestive, circulatory systems, um, through a feminist anatomical lens. So if you really want to dive into the body and learn more about movement and physiology, that's a great in-person offering as well. And I do those annually. So there's a lot that we can do. And then if you are so currently live in uh, Northern New England or in North Carolina, I, outside of all this, I run a busy midwifery practice. <laughs> so wow. I attend, I attend You're doing births. it all. I attend births. So I, um, yeah, I, I have, um, you know, I teach a few days a week and then the rest of the time is devoted to the women in my community and, and doing birth work. So, uh, if you're having a baby or want to have baby, we can talk about that too. I feel like we need to get you on a future podcast to talk all about like how to run a business. <laughs> You've got it all going. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, but help is the number one thing <laughs> I hire and pay other women well to help me because nice. we can't all, we can't all do it all. So that's I, uh, everything. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love that. It's like, we're expanding the sisterhood in a way, you know, Oh my gosh. Yeah. helping each other. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love your work. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's all good. And, and to know that like, you know, you, you can build a business and do the work that you want to do with women in the world. And right. I like, you know, I only have a high school diploma. Huh? Right. And I am have, you know, I feel very well educated, but I've walked away from everything else I've ever done. Not because right. I have an issue completing things quite the contrary, but because I just really wanted to focus on what felt true to me. And like, if what, you know, in the words of sister Morningstar, what one woman can do, all women can do. Right. So like, if I can figure out how to, um, you know, do what is meaningful to me and educate myself and support women and support my own family, like, you right. can too. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, you know, if you really want to talk more about that, that's what my women's work program is for. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for accepting your mission. You, you are such an inspiration and I will put all your information in the show notes so that anyone listening can find you and reach oh. out. Amazing. And I will, um, yeah, post this. I'll, I'll share it all over my, you know, all my platforms. And I can't wait for women to find your work because just hearing women and from, you know, from all over the world really share and communicate about what it means to rise in sovereign, you know, sovereign care and motherhood is yes. such, mm. oh, it's so important. So I'm so glad that you reached out and it's been such a pleasure. 
Yeah, thank you. And if I had a camera and you'd see my arms in the air, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. All right. All right, Roman. Be well. Thank you. We'll speak to you soon. Likewise. Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for staying tuned to the end of this episode. You have made it to our special feature, Mother Circle. This week, Danielle, another Danielle, will be sharing her story and I'll be reading it out. Danielle can be found on Instagram at detox.your.life. Danielle is a digital doula consultant and she helps mums make informed choices. You can find out more about her on her Instagram. I'll leave all her information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Danielle, for allowing me to share your story. On Wednesday the 20th, I woke up to early signs of labor. We had been through a crazy few weeks and just moved into our new home a few days prior, so I was already overwhelmed and not quite ready to for baby to come. But I knew my body, and so I took a long shower and then reluctantly told my husband and the girls that we would have a baby within the next 24 hours. I went to my appointment with our midwife that same day and jokingly let her know I really didn't need to be there because I'll be calling her in a few hours. She laughed and said, okay, call me. We then went out for our healthy dinner, salads at Core Life, and I couldn't eat a thing. Another sign that my body was preparing to do something bigger than digestion. Then we hit Target because I was obsessing over having some kind of pretty wall decor to hang over the bathtub, which I planned to give birth in. There were so many other things to do, but I walked Target. I walked into Target at 8pm having contractions because pregnant people do things like that and I was in search of some small piece that would make me feel at home. I found a modern wooden frame and a magnolia wreath good enough, and grabbed a few more baby items, then I decided I should get home. Funny, the wall hanging was pretty, but I wouldn't even end up hang- giving birth in the water this time round. Around 2am, I was restless. My five-year-old wasn't sleeping well. I was having contractions in a lack of pattern. I went downstairs to get some water and gather my thoughts. Coming back, I hurdled the baby gate and banged my leg twice and hard. I got back into bed, snuggling my two-year-old so tight, knowing I'd soon have another in my arms. She woke during one of my contractions as I moved around trying to remain comfortable, and I remember her holding my belly and saying, It's not comfy, Mama. Baby is coming soon. I replied with a smile, Yes, Dolly, baby is coming soon. It doesn't hurt me. Go back to sleep. She fell right back to sleep, not affected at all, as we had watched about a zillion birth videos and all of my kids are pretty accustomed to all things baby birthing. (laughs) At 2am, I was about to drift off for a short 10 minute nap and I felt a big pop. I gasped, my husband immediately knew without me speaking and I jumped to the bathroom to grab towels so I wouldn't ruin our bed. I grasped because my waters had never broken with my other girls until their heads were making an appearance. So this was new for me. But of course, why not? Everything about this pregnancy had been so different. My husband says my water broke because I was hurdling baby gates. Could be. I was up at that point. There would be no more napping, just moments of rest in between. Sophia woke with me, my little nurturer. 
tears swell in my eyes as I look at each birth photo she's in, always with her thoughtful and comforting little hand on my belly, back and shoulders. At 4.30, my husband insisted I call over the midwife just to let her know my water had broke. I let her know, but told her we didn't need her yet, and then went about following my routine. Warm bath, long shower. Baby was coming sooner than I was allowing myself to believe. Everything in life had just been so rushed, so rushed, so rushed. My hubs had been asking me if he should call the midwife and our birth photographer for at least an hour now, and I kept saying, not yet. I wasn't in denial, I was just in that place of in-between when someone else better know what to do because you are out of space and incoherent of time. My body felt the baby come in and my mind and heart were waiting for the morning sunlight. Just a few extra minutes, please. I wasn't ready yet to have my baby, my last birth, my last becoming mother. I know some women fear birth. Some women call it painful. Not for me. In my first birth, yes, I felt pain and fear, but as I gained knowledge and learned to advocate for my body and embarked on the journeys of home birth, I soon learned how painless and empowering birth could be. In all honesty, I enjoy the birth process, every moment of it. I went back and forth from the shower to the bathtub a few times. Finally, as my husband asked yet again, I said, yes, I feel the baby's head coming. I think you should call them. He's never worried during our births. He trusts me probably a little too much. I got out of the bathtub because it needed to be refilled and I was needing to pee every two minutes. My midwife came running in as I began one of my last contractions on the toilet. My husband was asking if I wanted to get back in the tub as he knew that I wanted wanted that so badly. I love water birth. I can't get back over there, babe, I said. The water isn't high enough, said the midwife. I remember glancing over to my photographer. She had run in just in time. I stood up and in just two pushes, we had a baby in the tiniest bathroom in the house. A full stand-in land baby caught by mama. Not the water birth I imagined, but perfect. Just perfect because it's exactly how our baby had to have it. (sighs) Thank you so much, Danielle, for letting me read that. Mama Rose.